Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. I got a message for you. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Galatians. Turn to Galatians with me really quickly. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Oh, this is going to bless you today. I'm so excited, man. When I wrote this message this week, I said, oh, I can't wait to preach that. Here we go. Galatians 6, verse 10. And I'm reading out of the NIV. Welcome online, family. If you are watching online, all the the, uh, the verses should come up on the screen for you, and you can also you can also follow along in the Cool Church app. All the notes that I'm preaching from are in the app. In the church said, <clears throat> "Here we go." So, Galatians six ten reads like this: Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people. Somebody say all people, especially. Oh, I like that. Somebody going going with me. To those who belong to the family of believers. And the church said, I'm going to read it one more time. It's such a good verse. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. And all of God's people said, how many of y'all believe that church is a family? Yeah, yes we are. Yes we are. I I love it. And today, I'm going to preach a message in this second part of this essential series about our second core value, which is family. And if you're taking notes, the Bible says in Jedediah 5.17 that those that take notes shall get it to heaven. If you believe that, I got more work to do than I thought. There is no Jedediah. Follow the scriptures, okay? Yeah. Oh, just listen to everything a man says. Get into your word and check it for yourself. Amen? The second message on the essentials is about family, and I've entitled this. Take notes, because they may not bless you right now, but they'll point you back to a place in Scripture that's going to bless you when you need it the most. Amen? Taking notes, I've entitled it. You ready? Today we're going to be talking about the family tree. Family tree. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. For this is the day that you have made, God. Let us rejoice and be glad in God. I thank you that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every human that was going to be in this place today and watching online. God, I pray that I will lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, I pray that you would open hearts, minds, and ears to be open and receptive to a word that will always and only be about Jesus. God, I pray for the one, the one that needs to hear this word the most, God. Wherever they are in this world, if they're in this room or if they're in some remote part of the world, God, and they're just watching this or listening to this right now, I pray that when your word goes forth, it will not return void. God, I pray for somebody today, before it's all said and done, to be united unto the family, the family of heaven, because at the end of the day, that's the family that matters the most. So, God... I pray that you would bring the broken home, that the lost will be found, and they would know that they have a family in you. 
You are a heavenly father that loves us and you sent your son because you loved us so much so that we can be children of the most high God. God bless this word today in Jesus mighty name and all of God's people said, all of God's people said, give God a shout of praise. promise y'all won't take long. It is Super Bowl Sunday. Who's ready for the Super Bowl at the church? Come on. I thought I'd have more football fans in here than that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, hey, y'all, I, I know why we ain't cheering. Because we ain't in it. <laughs> y'all, listen, man. You know, I, I'm happy for the Chiefs and I'm happy for saying, any Chiefs fans out there? All two of y'all, okay. Any, any San Francisco 49er fans out there? Okay, all three of y'all. How many Dolph fans we got out there? Come on. God, is that you? That's why I ain't wearing like a jersey today. Like, I ain't gonna rep unless it's my squad like out there. You know, hey, hey y'all. Listen, when you a Dolph fan for life like me, like I was a, I was a Dolph fan in the Dan Marino days, in the Mark Clayton and Mark Duper days. Oh, they don't know, they don't know nothing about that. Been a fan. Real, real Ricky, yeah, real Ricky had some problems. Ricky, but we, we love Ricky, we love Ricky. Ricky was high on the most high. Okay, all right, next, next, okay. We love Ricky, we love Ricky. <laughs> That's all right, though. Hey, Dolphins, we o- we always got next year, okay? We gonna get them. We gonna come back strong. That ain't got nothing to do with my message. Okay, so um, <clears throat> I want to talk about the family tree today. It's, it's interesting because this Christmas was an interesting Christmas. And, man, I love Christmas time. Man. I get to spend it with my family. And my, my little brother, my brother-in-law, he, he came by the house and like, I love him because he's such a generous person. Like he likes to give gifts. So he gave uh, his older sister, which is my wife and his older brother, he went and bought them these really cool envelopes. I'm looking at the envelope and I looked on the outside, it said African ancestry on it. He was trying to trace back his family tree. So he wanted to make sure that all the siblings had done this African ancestry so that they could see how deep the roots of their family tree go. And I think that's a, I think it's a really cool idea to understand where you come from. How, how many, how many, you know, you got to know where you come from. Amen. So I haven't, I haven't done my African ancestry yet, but I do know some very interesting things about my family. Now, I, I was born right here in, in South Florida, born and raised in the county of Day. Holla at your boy. Um, <laughs> I, I was born right in North Shore Hospital, y'all. Y'all, I know I had a praying mama because I made it out. Praise. Praise God. If you had North Shore, I'm sorry. I'm just saying, back when I was coming up, it was, you go in, but you don't come out. Okay, all right, all right, all right. It's terrible jokes. It's terrible jokes. <laughs> I'm like, yo, you right. You a miracle, pastor. Yeah. <laughs> My parents, though, they're not from here. My mother is from Trinidad and Tobago. Any Trinis out there? Trini to the bone. Uh, see, only Trinis say that. Yeah, see? I know that. Yeah, My dad, he grew up in Trinidad, but he's from a place called St. Vincent. Any, any Vincies out there? No? Okay. All right. No worries. Um, and I, I, I love it. Dad, how you doing, man? You good? Oh, my mama and daddy right there. Y'all give it up for them right there. Look at that. They look, they look good. 
I, I, I love it. I love it. So, you know, I, I could talk about my family tree all day, but I want to I kind of lean into my, my dad's side because, like, I'm always finding out cool, like, new stuff about my, my dad's side of the family. So, um, he, he it's, it's very interesting because his grandmother is, is definitely African, but his grandfather is very interesting. He's from Scotland. So African woman and a Scottish man got together and made that beautiful man right there. And thank God I got his genetics. Could y'all show my great-grandmama real quick? I think I got, yeah, there she is. Yeah, man, it's, it's good to know where you come from. And the church said, I, I love knowing that, that this beautiful uh, woman just decided to, to endeavor to do things that nobody in her family did before. And because of it, she created a beautiful grandson. And because of it, I get to be here today. I, I love that there is a legacy of love in my family that I can trace back all the way through my family tree. Because clearly, there was no racism going on there. Because them two got together, they love one another, and they raised a beautiful family. How many of you know that where you come from is important? Amen? So, that's my great-grandma. I love her. She is awesome. She is amazing. I feel like she's looking at me with judgment right now. That's what grandparents do. They're like, do better. Do better. I love her. And as much as I talk about family today, family's interesting because when you say it, depending on who hears the word family, it can evoke a tidal wave of emotions. Like, some people hear family, you think about the joy of the holidays, you think about birthdays, you think about family reunions, you think about barbecues, you think about all the love and the laughter, right? Because that's what family should invoke in you. But for other people, I say the word family, and you think of pain. You think of abuse. You think of manipulation. You think of abandonment. You think of a lack of trust. Like, you don't even want to de- Like, there's people I know have left their family and don't want to go back because all they find when they go back to their family is heartache. And the truth of the matter is, depending on your experience, family can bring you joy or leave you with trauma. So, uh, as we endeavored to build God's church and to build the kingdom... We say, you know what, we want to make sure we reclaim family as a kingdom principle. We didn't invent family. God invented family. And let me tell you something. Family matters. Regardless of your perspective of family, family is important. And you must know this about us if you want to continue on as a happy family member of Cool Church. Family's in our mission. We're here to build strong families to build strong futures and the church said why one of my favorite communicators on the entire planet is Dr. Tony Evans how many Tony Evans fans out there Tony Evans had a sermon that he preached years ago I heard it when I was a kid on WMCU on the way to church in my mother's car and I'll never forget what he said and I still quote it to this day I won't quote all of it I'll quote some of it he said messed up families mess up people Messed up families mess up people. There are some messed up people in this world. 
And if you want to trace all their issues, the root and the core of all their issues, I would say a hundred times out of a hundred, there's a family issue. Something that didn't get dealt with was left long enough to fester and it changed the outcome of the human being. Messed up families mess up people. And I know family is a God concept, but depending on your experience, you may not be living in the blessing of your family. You might be living in the curse of it. And today I want to talk about the three types of families. There are three. There's the family of origin. That's the one where you had no choice. That's where you, you got birth. You ain't asked to be here. But you came. You came here. It's the family of origin. And here's the truth. Like, you didn't ask to come into that family. But if you, if you lean into that family well, that's the family you can learn the best lessons from. You can learn how to be or how not to be based upon your family of origin. Amen? Or we could talk about the family you create. Now, now that I am an older man, I have created my own family. I, I have left my mother and father and I have cleaved unto my wife. I have connected to my wife and I have created a family. We have a beautiful baby girl who, by the way, turned 14 today. that we adopted from the beautiful island nation of Haiti. So we literally, I see some of y'all, y'all ain't get to choose your children. I got to choose mine. I'm happy with my choice. Some of y'all are like, can I send mine back? Nope. You made them. You created them. You got to deal with them. Amen. So the family you create, you made it so you got to care for it and you got to cultivate it. You got to set the culture of that family. Amen. But then there's the family of choice. And this is what I want to lean into today because the family of choice, you chose it. Like, you came to this church today because there's something about this family that you connect with. Maybe it's the values. Maybe it's the warm smiles in the parking lot. Maybe it's the worship. Maybe it's the teaching. Or maybe you just like being around the people. I don't know what it is, but you chose this place. We did not choose you. You chose us. The church is the family of choice. And if you chose it, you got a responsibility to be a part of it and contribute to it. You chose this house. And this is why I love church. And I don't think there's enough churches in this world. People are like, Pastor, you want to be mad if somebody opened up a church next door? No, we need 10 churches next door. Because guess what? I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. There's different churches for different people. Why? We're all creative aspects of a creator God. And guess what? Some people will be able to get the word from me. Some people are going to be able to get it from somebody else. I'm not going to hate on somebody else because they decided to open a church. I'm going to congratulate them and celebrate them because when they're doing that, they're making the family of choice have more options for the lost and dying world that needs it. If you believe that, say amen. Right? So... Your church family is your family of choice. But let me tell you exactly what family means at core. I want to define this value for you, and I'm going I'm to read this because we wrote this. There's a clarifying statement to the value of family. The verse was the Galatians 6.10 that I gave you earlier, but whether it's the family you are born into, the family you create, or the one that you choose, family 
get this, means you don't have to do life alone. Family isn't about being perfect. It's about supporting each other on the journey towards God perfecting us. So when we say family, that's what we mean. But then there's also a determinant discipline, which means how do we practically live out what you just said? Let me give you the practical behind it. What does it look like to live out family? We look out for one another, the church said. We take part in connect groups, teams, and services to create layers, to create layers of accountability in our lives. We seek out fellowship with others, and we consistently check in to make sure family members are okay because we believe that who you are is more important than what you do. Listen, if people only want to want to be around you because of what you can do for them, they're not your family. That's called manipulative behavior. Who you are is always more important than what you do. And I think when you're defining culture, not only should you know who you are, you need to know who you are not. So I'm going to give you the opposite of what, what we believe. Here's, here's the thing. We do not isolate ourselves or others. If you see somebody operating in isolation right here, that's not our value. That's not family. Because how can you build strong families by yourself? Can't build them alone. My mother always has a saying that she says, she says, no man is an island. What's she trying to say? Everybody, I'm going to give you my Carol City breakdown of that. Everybody needs somebody. Everyone needs someone. The church is a family of choice. And I want to jump back to this Galatians 6.10 verse because what the Apostle Paul is actually trying to do in Galatians, he's looking at a church that he has given life to, that he loves. And you know what he sees in the church, the family of choice? It's crazy because here we shouldn't see it. We're together. We got unity. Amen? But if back in Paul's day, you know what Paul saw in the church? Division. He saw people trying to break up the family because the early family members, watch this, this is what they did. They allowed tradition to drive a wedge in between family members. So let me just give you some context on Galatians before we dive into this verse because I think it's important to know. Like one of the earliest epistles that Paul writes is Galatians. He writes it after his first missionary journey. And what you have to understand is that Paul, he takes this missionary journey with his homeboy Barnabas. They're, they're good. They're, they're, they're raising up people in the church. They're raising up leaders in the church. They're preaching great doctrine. They're preaching a doctrine that is about Jesus. And they go through Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and Derby and these places they make up the southern uh, region of a Roman province called Galatia, which is what the Galatian, the book Galatians is named for, right? So they go through all these churches preaching the gospel. They leave to go to other places and do it. And then these people rise up in the church. Now, now let me just say this. Everybody we're talking about is a Christian. All these church members were Christian. But there were some Christians that had a background in Judaism. Why? Because they were Jewish. And then on this side, there were some other Christians that did not have that background. They were not Jewish. They were called Gentiles. Anybody that's not Jewish is Gentile, right? But they believed in Jesus. So the Gentiles believed in Jesus. The Jews believed in Jesus. But what started to happen, instead of them just coming together and being one big happy family, the Jewish Christians 
were going to the Gentile Christians and they were saying, in order for y'all to keep your salvation, you got to get circumcised. Now, I would pray that you know what circumcision is. So I do not want to describe it. But I will not act like everyone knows everything. You can Google it. You have actually don't Google it. It just means the cutting of skin on the male member. That's literally what it means. That was Jewish tradition. You had to cut the skin because if you, if you were circumcised, that meant that you are in participation in covenant with God. It's a covenant relationship. And the Jews were going to a Gentiles like, yeah, 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 I know y'all believe in Jesus, but you need to do this too. Can I tell you there's no you believe in Jesus, but? If you believe, the Bible says we are saved by grace through faith. It doesn't say we are saved by grace through faith and circumcision. That's not what the word says. But there had been this religious piety that was developed by the Jewish believers because they saw themselves as the seed of Abraham, as descendants of the one that the promise was made to. And these, 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 these Gentile believers, if you were a Gentile believer and you converted to Judaism, you would have been called a proselyte, which means that you were outside, but now you are taken into the fold. But once again, you would have to be circumcised to be under covenant. But Jesus comes along and he eradicates all of that. He says, hey, you ain't got to do none of that. All you got to do is believe in me. You confess me and you live for me. All that other stuff doesn't even matter anymore. But the people that thought they knew something about faith put their religion on people when grace had already saved them. So there's this ongoing like battle in the church so much so the council at Jerusalem had to dispel all the nonsense because once again the Jews come and say nah they got to be circumcised and Paul and Peter come up there it's like yo God's already sent us out to the Gentiles they got baptized with the Holy Spirit and they weren't circumcised so why are we trying to put this extra thing of circumcision on them it's like if they they literally were like if they good enough to get baptized with the Holy Spirit why do they need to be circumcised you're just what you're actually doing is complicating the gospel. Can I tell you people still do that in 2023? People come down here, they get excited, they get filled with the Holy Spirit, they try to live it out. And you know what some church family members have done? We try to put all this extra stuff on them that God did not put on them. Oh, well, you got to dress this way now. Oh, well, you got to speak this way now. Oh, well, you got... Bible ain't say none of that. You're putting your convictions on someone when God never did that. He says, my son covers it all. So we literally see a fight between Christians, y'all. The church is fighting one another because they're at a disagreement about a religious tradition and practice that has nothing to do with the grace of the almighty God. And I love Galatians because it teaches us that we can live in freedom through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? 
By having the power of the Holy Spirit, it's going to enable you to live a lifestyle of submission to God that's going to free us to love and be considerate of our brothers and sisters, which makes us family. Amen? So, in other words, Paul, he writes this book so that we can stop finding reasons as family members to create distance in the family and start loving people the way that a family's supposed to. I love the book of Galatians. It's a family book. So Paul's remedy, I love this, for division in the church is exactly what Galatians 6.10 says. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to how many, uh, what, what kind of people? I looked up all in the Greek and in the Hebrew. You know what it means? All. All. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let's do good to all people. Not people that dress like you, look like you, talk like you, identify as you. It's, but then he says, I love this, especially those. Well, like, why'd I jump when I said that? Especially those who belong to the family. It's like you got to treat everybody good, but you better treat your church family better. Like there's another level of respect and honor and love that we need to have. It says, especially those that belong to the, so Paul's remedy for God's family is, yo, just do good to all people, but especially those that are part of the family of believers. Amen. So here's a few ways I'm going to do this. I'm going to run through it quick. Here's a few ways that the church can be the best family of choice. And all God's people said, here's the first way. Families don't resent one another. They restore each other. They don't resent. Like, if we really want to be this family, this church family that's not divided, we cannot resent one another. We must restore one another. I'm going to jump backwards in Scripture to Galatians 6.1 because you won't understand 6.10 if you don't get 6.1 in all the verses before it. 6.1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... Because church people love to catch people, don't they? Gotcha. Ha, ha, ha. So, so you feel good because you got them? Okay. Galatians 6.1. Brothers and sisters. You know why I know it's true? Because you might be like, ha, ha, I got you. You might not do that. You know what you do? When you catch somebody in something, you don't keep it to yourself. You gossip about it. Now, I ain't trying to you know, be nothing, but I heard, I hate, I hate when it start like that. I heard, what you heard? That someone, it's like, instead of you going to them one-on-one -on -one and having a conversation and helping disciple them, you want to tell somebody what they did. Okay. Sorry. It's not the like, ooh, I'm a clap for that. No. I'm talking about you. Okay. Let me see. I bet you think this song is about you. It is. <laughs> says brothers and sisters if someone is caught in a sin you who live by the spirit should restore somebody say restore that person gently but watch yourselves so you may not be tempted let me just start by saying there's no such thing as a perfect family. Therefore, there's no such thing as a perfect church. If you go into a church and it's perfect, one of two things is true. There are no people there. And if there are people there, 
and they are perfect and you or I get there the moment we get there it ain't perfect no more because humans me I ain't talking about y'all I mess stuff up maybe not purposely maybe not intentionally but all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God it's too often like we find fault with church family and then we say this thing that's so popular to say in 2024 oh I got church hurt now I'm not saying that people don't get hurt in church but churches don't hurt people people hurt people humans hurt other humans and what we have to stop doing, we have to stop allowing the resentment of people to make us run from the restoration that we can only find in God's house. Because once again, all have sinned, yet Christ forgives, but for some reason the church still holds resentment towards one another. I want to lean into that word restore. That word restore stands in place of a Greek word. And the word is katardizo. Katardizo. And let me tell you what it means. This is so beautiful. It means to mend and is used in context in the New Testament to mend a fishing net. So when you see that word katardizo, in scripture is talking about fixing the holes in a fishing net. Say, why is that important in context of what you're preaching? Because let me ask you this, family. How will we fulfill God's commission to be fishers of men if the church has a net with holes in it? How are we going to do it? Jesus says, hey, go out there and catch people. Your net is each other. But we got holes in this net. Why people ain't coming to church? Why we can't catch nobody? How come new believers ain't coming in? Because somewhere along the way, some, some of us forgot about restoration. And we created some holes in the net that's supposed to love people. We created holes in the net that's supposed to embrace people. We created holes in the net that's supposed to have patience with people on their journey. It's not about us and them because the truth is before you were you, you were them. Somebody loved you. Somebody embraced you. Somebody said, you know what? You belong long before you believe. A ain't no holes in this net. Come here. Let me surround you. Let me love you. If we are the church and we are doing this the right way, we are going to mend our nets because the truth of the matter is that there is a lost and dying generation and they are slipping through the nets of the church because we're stuck in our tradition. We're stuck in our issues. We're stuck in our ways of doing things. And instead of feeling love here. They feel judgment here. They feel called out here. They don't feel encouraged here. They get traumatized and hurt here because a place that's supposed to have a net that embraces has a bunch of holes in it. You're supposed to be family. But we look more like a holy net.
people are escaping our nets because church people too busy being petty with one another instead of loving each other. How are we going to give somebody else love and we don't love each other? In this context, that word kartadizo also means to strengthen, to perfect, to complete, to make one what he ought to be. You know another way to say that? Disciple. We got to disciple people. We got to help strengthen people, perfect people, complete people, make one into what they are to be. So not only does Paul tell us to restore, I love that he tells us how to restore. How does tell Paul us to restore? He says, restore gently. This could change somebody's life today, especially in church. Restore gently. That word gentle in the Greek, I love it, is praoctis. 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 And it means mildness, meekness. Some of us come spicy when we need to come a little more mild. Mildness, meekness, and is. I love this because the word is found again in the chapter right before it in Galatians 5. And you know what you find in Galatians 5, right? The fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22, 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against us things there is no law. Some of you are like, I'm not gentle. I would ask you, where's your fruit? The, fr the fruit is gentleness. Like gentleness is a fruit of the spirit. So what I'm actually telling you is, you can't restore gently without the fruit of the spirit. Some, some, some of you trying to restore in your will, some of you trying to restore, restore with your intelligence. Some of you trying to restore with your emotions. Can I tell you, none of those things will help you restore. You need the Holy Spirit to restore. Because the fruit of the Holy Spirit is just, for me to be a gentle person, I need the Holy Spirit. Emphatically, yes. You need, listen y'all, listen, I'm from Carroll City, so I know I could be a little rough around the edges. And thank God the Holy Spirit has done a work in me. Because the old me would have been like, get it together. The new me is like, let's work on getting it together over time. I love you. I'm a lot more gentle. Why? Because I have the fruit of the spirit. I have the Holy Spirit in me. And you can see, you know that the fruit of the spirit is in you when you see its fruit. Y'all, I, I just finished a time of fasting and I, I was praying some things to God. And the funny thing is what I prayed for got directly challenged throughout this entire fast. And it made me laugh because I came out of all those situations and Joanne's going to laugh. I was like, you know what? This prayer is working. Because the old me wouldn't have had the patience for this. I'm responding to people. This thing really, I got way more patience then I, I got way more grace than I used to. This prayer, man, it might have brought some stuff on my life, but I can see the difference now in how I respond to certain things. 
Y'all, we all make mistakes. But if we're family, we can be gentle to restore one another. I've been in church my whole life, man. Church people could be some of the harshest people on the planet. It's like as soon as, as soon as somebody walks through the door, depending on how they look, what they smell like, what they do, we already done judged them. We judged them before we even asked them their name. And then, and then when, when, when somebody messes up, they, they, there's like no grace. No mercy. They become an outcast. It's, it's like... We'll, we'll, we'll knock single single young women when they have a child like oh you now now you're having a child out of wit I'm like we make them feel bad but we don't make the jokers that slept with them feel bad or we don't make the people feel bad that got a body count higher than they do but we don't see the evidence through the child they did the same deed but one you can see the evidence of and one you can't. Hey, hey, come back next week. I'll be nicer, I promise. You got to smile when you say something like that. We, we, we push people out of the church because we get so hard. We're so hard. Like, 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 like. It's just like, y'all, y'all, y'all forgive me. I've been preaching this whole message. The, the whole time, some people been looking at me like this. I'm like, yo, smile, man. Like, hey, be a little more gingers. Can we, can we like have some, I, I thought, I, maybe, maybe I read the wrong Bible. I thought somewhere in here it said, it's the joy of the Lord, Minister Anthony. That like, 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 why are we so mad all the time? It doesn't bring a welcoming presence into God's house. We got to stop being so harsh, but the Bible calls us to restore gently. Let me ask you this question. Is the point of God's family condemnation to excommunication or restoration to unification? It's a simple question, and I know there was a lot of occasions in there. But are we trying to condemn people to exile them? Or are we trying to restore people to unify them to the love of God and the family of God? My fear in 2024 is that some of us would rather see people we find fault with leave the family instead of loving them back into it. Like, stop calling people out and start calling people up. Y'all, listen. I'm old enough to hate social media, but I'm young enough to still be on it. And you know what annoys me the most? When I see Christians calling out other Christians on social media. I'm like, whoa. We on the same. You had, you had enough time to write your thoughts that was negative about another man or woman or God instead of praying for them. Instead of encouraging them. Like, like, we got to get to the place where we, we not on this harsh like, oh, I called you out. Okay, now what? What was the point of the call out? Because if the call out was correction and restoration, I'm about it. But if the call out is just to make somebody feel bad, well, what do we really do? That, that don't sound like what the Bible says to me. That doesn't sound gentle to me. We got to encourage people. Because families don't resent, they restore. Amen? Secondly, 
I hope somebody getting something from this. It's quiet. It's called conviction. That's okay. <laughs> Families don't burden one another. We bear each other's burdens. Galatians 6 2, watch this. It says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's so powerful. I, I love that Paul, he, he starts this passage and he talks about bearing burdens in context to the law. Now I gave you the synopsis of Galatians that Paul is actually disputing these men that are bringing law and tradition into a space of grace, right? Throughout this whole book, he's using grace to combat the law. But in this verse, I love it because Paul was so smart. He used the law to combat the law. Watch this. So he says, he says, carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. He's saying, okay, y'all, since y'all don't want to unify with your Gentile brothers based on your laws of circumcision, allow me to use God's law to trump your law. Allow me. And I, I, I love this. And the law that he's referencing is the one that Jesus spoke out of his own mouth. The Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You know who they were talking about? Jesus. The walking, talking, living, breathing fulfillment of the law. And John 13, 34 to 35 says this, a new command I give you. Let me tell you something. If Jesus tells me something, I'm doing it. A new command I give you. Love one another. I wish it was more complicated than that. It's not. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. Y'all, they were so focused on the tradition of circumcision that they were negating the law of God that tells them to love their brother, not ostracize their brother. And here's what I want you to know. Your tradition or your religion cannot trump the law of love. It cannot trump the law of love. And if you love one another, you know what you'll do? You'll bear each other's burdens. We'll be, that's, Jesus was like, man, you love your brothers. What are you trying to say? Yo, be, be gentle with them and bear the burdens of your brothers. So after Paul stumps them with the law, I love this. He's trying to get them to stop. He's trying to get the Jewish Christians to stop thinking so highly of themselves. They were holier than thou. They were high and mighty. They were, they were literally looking down on the Gentile Christians. So they were trying to keep them down by subjecting them to their traditions. And then watch Galatians 6, 3 through 4. It says, if it, Paul, like, Paul, he's gonna make sure, like, I ain't leaving nobody out. I'm gonna address everything. He says, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. How many of you know God's family, the family of the church, will be better if we stop comparing ourselves to one another and start encouraging one another? I love the way that theologian David Gusick uh, uh, references this verse. He's one of my favorite theologians. Watch what he says. This is so beautiful. If I esteem you above me, and you esteem me above you, a marvelous thing happens. 
We have a community where everyone is looked up to and no one is looked down on. I don't know about you. I want to be a, a part of a house where I look up to my brothers and sisters and they look up to me and nobody gets bogged down with the weight of judgment because we are all living in admiration of each other and while we're all looking up we can actually see the one who is worth looking up to and his name is Jesus and he deserves all the glory and all the adoration and all the honor and all the praise but so many of us can't see him because we're not looking up at him we're looking down on our brother I want to spend my time looking up we can't think more highly of ourselves based upon whatever convictions we have and we cannot burden the family with things that God does not burden them with family does not look down on each other like don't look down on people's speech because they ain't figured out all of these and the thou's yet. Disciple them and teach them scripture. Don't look down on their attire like some people that just used to look. I had on a suit last week. I got on a t-shirt this week. Y'all, listen, hey, my motto is never let them know your next move, okay? But like, don't look down on them for their attire when they walk in and they don't know that the skirt is too short. They don't, like, they don't know. Like, disciple them and teach them modesty. Don't look down on them for not understanding things of the Spirit. But what we need to do, the elders need to come alongside and we need to disciple them and teach them spiritual warfare that this battle is not just flesh and blood, but there are principalities and things in heavenly places that we have no idea about. And we need to be like the elders that can see and pray in the spirit to call a demon a demon when we see it. Instead of putting your religion and burdens on family, be a family member that's willing to carry the load. Carry the burden. Because here's the truth. It takes way more work, time, and effort to disciple people than to talk about them. We talk about people because it's easy. To disciple people, that takes some work. It takes time. It takes work. And it takes discipline. Like you can criticize other people all you want or... You can bear the burden of discipling them so that they can grow into the people that God has called them to be. Galatians 6.5 says, for each one should carry their own load. Wait, that don't sound like bear each other's burdens. The apostle Paul here has not made a mistake in speech. He's just being very specific. In Galatians 6.2, Paul uses carry each other's burdens. That word burden in the Greek is baros, and it means heaviness, weight, burden, trouble. Heaviness, weight, burden, trouble. When something is too heavy, don't you call somebody to help you carry it? In Galatians 6.5, uh, uh, Paul uses that word load. The Greek for that is fortion. And commonly that was used for a load that would have been the size of a man's backpack. So what am I trying to say? There are burdens where you need help, but there's also loads that we're all to care, call, call to carry ourselves. Listen, just because we're supposed to help each other with each other's burdens does not mean that we forsake 
the accountability and the responsibility of carrying the load that God gave you. We all have a load. We all have a cross to bear. But at the end of the day, there are certain loads you can carry, but there are certain burdens that God gave you because he knew you could not do it alone. There's a cross that I carry every day, but there's a burden that God put on my heart to build strong families and build strong futures. And that burden was never meant to be carried alone. He gave me a wife and he gave me a whole family full of living stones in order to carry the burden and build it with me. Why? Because yes, I have a load that I must manage. I have I have a load that I am responsible for. I have a load that I must carry. But the burden of building God's house is not just on me. It's on you too. And God has called us to carry it together. If you believe it, say amen. We almost there, church. We're almost there. So not only do families not resent one another, they restore each other. And families don't burden one another. We bear each other's burdens. Lastly, families don't just, I put that just in there because it's important. Families don't just make withdrawals. We make deposits. How many of y'all got that family member that always call you when they need something? We don't like that family member. We love them. See, that person's trying to put their load on you, not their burden. Got to watch that person. Huh. Galatians 6.10 says, let us not, oh, it's one of my favorite. I use this verse so much. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You may have noticed that I skipped verses 6, 7, 8, 9, only because of time, but I'll give you a brief synopsis of what is being spoken about. So Paul says, first, if you want to be family, you got to restore people gently. But then, not only should you restore them, you need to carry their burdens. And then in verses 6 through 10, Paul gives a practical way to do that, okay? I've used this verse a million times to tell people, man, yo, don't get weary in doing good in due season. You're going to reap a harvest if you don't give up. And I always tell people, it's probably, it's probably one of my favorite things to say in life. If you don't quit, you win. If you don't quit, you win. Like, just, just keep on going. The harvest is coming. And that verse does mean that. But let me put that verse in context to what we read. Not only does Paul say restore people gently, not only does he say carry their burdens, verses 6 through 10, he gives a practical way to do that. How do you carry the burdens of your brothers and sisters? In short, he says, you bless them. For some of y'all, that sounds too spiritual. He said, give them something to help them. I'll make it even more specific. This verse, and I'm not going to use it this way because I'm good. He's actually using it in context to ministers because ministers were traveling and preaching the gospel. And he's saying, if you want to help carry that brother or that sister's burden, give them some money. Give them something to help them. Give them something to bless them. 
because they're carrying the burden of the gospel. And he says, if they're carrying the burden of teaching you and blessing you, shouldn't you carry the burden of blessing them? So I could use this verse as a verse for self-gratification today, but I won't. I'm good. God takes care of me. But I love this because it says, let us do good to what? It didn't say just do good to ministers. He's, he's widening the range. Because once again, the practical thing is, yo, bless, bless the people that invest in you. That's the practical. But I'm taking it a step further. Don't just bless the people that invest in you. Bless all people. Especially those who belong to the family of believers. So, so, so Pastor what are you saying? Well, essentially, Paul is saying the family of choice has a responsibility to take care of one another. I want y'all to catch that. Yo, why are we always giving away money to people at church? It's our responsibility. We can't do everybody. We try our best. But hey, if we really want to bless, if you want to bless more, you got to what? That's what Pastor Jody was telling us. We want to we carry this burden of the body. We got to give more. And Paul is saying, it's our responsibility to take care. And in verses 9 and 10, he says, once you realize that it's your responsibility to make deposits in the family, verses 9 and 10 just encourage us to keep on doing it. He says, don't get weary in doing good. Keep on doing it. Because in due season, you'll reap a harvest. He's like, don't get weary. Keep making deposits, especially into God's family. Don't get tired because eventually the harvest comes if we don't stop making deposits. I've lived in um, our, my, my home with my beautiful wife and daughter. We're going on nine years now. I went from renting to owning. I rented for eight years, and I was like, Lord, I ain't got nothing to give my family. God, I got to do better than this. And he blessed us almost nine years ago with a house. How many of you know you are the head and not the tail? God wants to make you a lender, not a borrower. Amen? He blessed us with a home. And we've been living there, renovated the place from the ground up. Man, the place is worth three times as much as we bought it for now. Praise God. But the reason we bought this house is my baby girl was really small and I wanted her to have like a nice yard to play in. But of all the houses we, we went to, there was this one house. It had this gigantic tree in the back. And when we got uh, to, the, to the house, the tree, I looked up, the tree had a tree house in it. And I was like, man, I never had a tree house growing up. This would be cool for my baby girl. And uh, yeah, there it is. Bam. So that's the tree. And there's the tree house. You can see it. I don't, want to, I don't want to draw attention to the tree. I want to draw attention to the tree. That tree is a massive tree. And the first a few years I moved in this house, I just thought it was like a regular tree, like an oak tree or like an olive tree or whatever. I, I didn't know what kind of tree it was. I you know, I, that's, that's not my, my lane. I tell you stuff about the Bible. I can't tell you stuff about trees, okay? So, one day, it might have been two to three years of us living in this house. I walked out in my backyard and I start seeing like, like it, it was like one at first. I saw this little red fruit on the ground. What is that? 
whatever, maybe like a bird dropped it or, you know, iguanas, they be having gang fights in my backyard and all that stuff. West side iguana, son. Okay. I, I went out the next day and I started seeing more of these stupid little red things. I'm like, what the heck is this? Y'all, I'll never forget, it was August, it was summertime. I went outside one day and I, I, I got so used to looking down because I, I started seeing all these things. You know what I finally did? I looked up. And I saw all these little red little fruits all over the tree. You know what they were? They were lychees. It's a lychee tree, y'all. It's a lychee tree. And it took about three years. Now, every summer, y'all, I could open up a booth at the farmer's market with how many lychees come off my tree. Like, it rains lychees in my backyard. Every summer, we collect them. We all, oh, man, we giving lychees to everybody. And I started doing research on lychee trees. And this tree, I've heard from my neighbors who some of them have been there when my house was built back in 1961. Some of my older neighbors say, yeah, that tree back there, that tree is about 40 to 50 years old. I started doing my research on lychee trees and I, and I was like, yo, so how long does it take lychee trees to, to bear fruit? And I found out some very interesting information that the thing about lychee trees is that when we first got there, we didn't see the fruit. I tell you, it took a couple years. And the thing about it, lychee trees, they can produce fruit after five years, after 10 years, but sometimes it takes over two decades. I lived there for their first few years. I never saw a fruit. Then one day, the fruit started coming and it never, ever stopped. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And it got me thinking, y'all. What if we were the first family to ever see that tree bear fruit? And all the families that have lived there for all those years. Because this house I've seen in history has been bought and sold multiple times. So it told me that a long time ago, 40 or 50 years ago, somebody planted a lychee seed in the ground. They planted a seed and they never saw its fruit. They never saw it. But what's interesting is they made a deposit that my family gets to make withdrawals off of all the time. But watch this. Watch this. So, three years ago, me and my wife decided to put another tree in our backyard. And this time, we island folk. We like avocados. So we planted an avocado seed in the ground three years ago that tree the, the fence is six feet tall so you could imagine how tall that tree actually is from a seed that tree is now in my backyard as well as the lychee tree but here's the thing if you plant an avocado tree like if you go to the store get a tree and you plant it in the ground it'll give you avocados in three to four years if you plant it from a seed It'll take at least 
13 years to give you avocados. So I see, what, what, what you saying? Y'all, the truth is, we may not even be in this house long enough to eat the fruit of this tree. But someone else will make withdrawals off of our deposit the same way that we have made withdrawals off of the deposit of the families that have come before us. And church, I need somebody to lean in and hear me. We are the family that is here in this house right now, benefiting from the deposits of all of those that have gone before us. But there are more families coming. There are more families that are coming and we need to ask ourselves, have we only made withdrawals or are we planting something to make deposits that will benefit all the families that are on the way? I don't know about you, but I want to be a family that continues to make deposits in the kingdom. So even long after I'm gone, we will continue to build strong families, to build strong futures. I don't want to just use up all the resource. I want to be the one that deposits the resource for all the ones that are going to come after me if you believe it. Say amen. Church, if we are truly a family, we cannot stop finding reasons to make deposits in people. If we are truly a family, we got to keep people in this house. We got to close our nets. We can't just have a big front door and a big back door. We got to close the holes in our nets because family, we got to stop finding reasons to keep people out of the family because through Jesus, Anyone can choose to be a part of this family. Listen, anyone can back it up with scripture. Galatians 6, 28, 29. I love how the message writes it. It says, in Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male or female. Can we take some of our old chauvinistic ways and throw them out the window? There's no difference in God's kingdom. Among us, you are all equal, the Bible says. That is, we are all in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. Also, since you are Christ family, somebody say family, then you are Abraham's famous descendant, heirs according to the covenant promise. You don't need the covenant of circumcision because we have the blessing of Abraham on us through his covenant and we only receive it through the one that is covenant himself and his name is Jesus. Today I need somebody to hear me. Whether you are man, woman, or child. Whether you are near or far. Whether you are Jew or Gentile. But today you can 
can be a part of God's family no matter who you are because by grace we are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. As a matter of fact, John says it like this in John 15, 5. I am the vine is what Jesus said. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So what I need you to understand, if you want to be a part of God's family tree, you must be connected through the vine. And his name is Jesus. God's family tree has deep roots and we are only connected to it by the vine and his name is Jesus I don't know what family you come from I don't know what your family may have done to you or what you learned from your family or didn't learn you may have suffered abuse and pain and hurt and lost and it's riddled all through your family tree but there's a family tree you can be a part of that you won't resent because it can restore you it'll help carry your burdens and it will always make more deposits in you than withdrawals today is there anybody out there that wants to be a part of God's family tree there's only one way. His name is Jesus. He is the vine. The Bible also says he is the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you so much for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you'd like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.